Hey friends, it's Kelly Bennett, and this is a podcast of Brave Conversations. The world can feel deeply dividing. However, I personally believe hearing stories of real, authentic, brave conversations on topics like gender, gender identity, sexuality, race, religion, to economic justice, creativity, politics, music, art, and family, upbringing, trauma, healing, community organizing, and more, we can actually see how we're all deeply connected. As I work to curate a community-based economy, I want to share the brave conversations of people, brands, and experiences that are truly bringing the community together. Stay tuned for weekly interviews of incredible humans that I'm hanging with and talking with. Thanks for listening to the With Brave Company podcast. So welcome back to the With Brave Company podcast with Kelly Bennett. That's me. I have a really special guest, someone that I recently met, but I just felt a cool connection with that I wanted to like sit down and have a conversation and just jam about ideas and what they're working on. So how I roll is I say, hey, come on to my podcast and let's just record it (laughs) because probably it's something cool that other people would want to hear. And so, Dakota, thank you so much for being here. Thanks we realize that this is the ninth episode, and nine is your life number, path number. Yes. Literally has a nine tattooed on their body right there. So, yeah, I mean, this is, I set it up for you. This is it. We got it going. Number nine. Feeling I'm, fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm so pumped that it's nine. Cool. Like, try. I love it. I love it. So give the listeners, I always like when my guests introduce themselves because I feel that we can give the most like authentic and organic intro than me reading off a bio. <laughs> can feel a little cold. So give the listeners a little bit who you are, what you do. Um, I know you recently just moved to Vegas. Just give me yeah. a little bit of a rundown of, you know, just a simple question. Who are you in this world? <laughs> no big you? deal. Um, Dakota Patterson. I go by Champ VX on the socials. Mm-hmm. Cool story behind that. But um, I am a I'm a freelance artist, and I think that's just a quick little term to categorize myself because there's literally so much shit. Can I say shit? Yeah, oh, we curse. <laughs> there's just so much shit that I do. So I paint. I do photography. I do videography. Um. There's just so much. You cook? I cook. I cook. Yes. I brew coffee every day. <laughs> um, I'm a dad. And uh, there's, just so mu- there's just so much that I am. And it's hard. So I'm glad you didn't like use Instagram bios because I think mine just says, come here, I want to show you something. Oh, that's cool. And I did that because I'm at this point in my life where... I'm trying to show people, like, who I am because for so long I've been, like, in my own cage. Mm. Kind of, like, really just introverted, like, due to, like, a whole bunch of trauma. Mm. And um, so, come here, I want to show you something. It's me opening myself up to the world and to people. So, it's me opening up to strangers and me also opening up to people who have been in my life but haven't known Mm. So it's a weird way to I love it. use Instagram, but I love it. So where are you from? I am originally from Riverside, California. Woo! <laughs> five by one. 
Let's see what's up, guys. Um, that's so the I'm nine again. Yeah, that's the nine. Um, so originally from Riverside, lived there most of my life. Um, I moved up north to Monterey County about three, <clears throat> about three, four years ago. Um, that's crazy. That's when Storm was like one. So Storm's my son. Aww. My first one. Shy is my second. But I moved up. I moved up to Monterey County about four years ago, about three and a half. And um, I was there for maybe a year, year and a half. Um, that's where I met Rhiannon. Yay! <clears throat> that was a crazy time because we were just friends, but then, like I was going through like a divorce, and me and my ex were like still like best friends, so that's cool. But so that is cool. Yeah. It, Shout out to exes who could still be best friends. Right. You know, That's really cool. Yeah, I, I don't understand, like, why, especially if you have a kid together. Yeah. It's just, like, I'm not saying, oh, like, be chill for the kids, but, like, we're all human, and, you know, understanding that some things work and some things don't work. Mm. But that doesn't mean, like, you guys got to be angry and fight. Like, it's just not my style. So, like, we're literally still, like, best friends. What's up, Evelyn? I know you're probably listening when it's dropped. Thanks, Evelyn. <laughs> um, Appreciate you. Oh, uh, what's up, Storm? I know you're listening Aww, too. Oh, Storm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so moved up north, and from there we went to Oakland, near Yannon, and then from there back to Riverside, and then to Ohio. And there's a whole story. Yeah. Behind that, I can get into. Where in Ohio? Uh, Ravenna. Where is that? literally in the middle of nowhere really it's like think of like a scary Stephen King movie uh huh mixed with Get Out uh, okay so okay so it's like Get Out of Ravenna Ohio got it <laughs> got it okay that's the and what were you doing out there um Mariana's son Shia was just was just born so how we even ended up in Ravenna is because up north, we were living together. You know, we were dating. Our roommate, Christy, at the time, <laughs> just stopped paying her rent and was hiding notices from us. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, we literally had no idea. I was going to work, doing, like, all the right things. And then I came home early one day, and there was a note from the office on the door that said, like, hey, you guys got to get out of here. <clears throat> so, I went to the office and the off the office lady Cheryl or Sharon my bad um she was just like yeah you guys are way behind I was like I've been paying my portion every month what are you talking about she's like yeah but Christy wasn't so mm. we had three days to leave and I had Storm with me at the time so I called up Evelyn hey summer's coming up and I know you're supposed to get them for the summer I need to get them now because our roommate wasn't paying rent about to and be homeless so storm with his went with his mom me and Rhiannon then had to live inside of the car and damn it was a beetle a small <laughs> low black beetle and what? i'm six six yeah you're a tall I'm a, human <laughs> i'm a very i'm a very tall person unfortunately well fortunately i wasn't always this tall but it's unfortunate now because i am this tall mm-hmm. but um so we lived in this little small beetle and to top that off 
Rhiannon was working a job. She came home one day and was just like, well, not home, the car. Well, technically, that's home. Okay. But Your home car. Our, our home <laughs> car. And she was just like, hey. And I was like, hey. And she was like, I'm pregnant. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> no, you're not. But she really was. She had to test me everything. I thought she was pranking me, to be honest. You probably never even knew this. I thought I was being pranked. And just to like yeah yeah just like to lighten the mood I right I was like, like hey we're homeless because you're already living in a vegan <laughs> we're homeless but you yeah. know what hey knock knock who's there a baby right <laughs> so she was pregnant so we're living in the car while she's pregnant so we moved from Monterey County up to Oakland because that's where most of the work was anyway okay so we moved up to Oakland. I started working at a vegan a vegan restaurant called The Butcher's Son. Yes, which and has been on my bucket list to go to. Oh, they are amazing. Really? I miss that place. I don't want to say every day anymore, but at least four times a week. Really? Yeah, you know, I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, that vegan buffalo bacon chicken ranch yeah. sub sandwich with the bacon macaroni. It looks really good. I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> it is amazing. It is amazing. That's on my bucket list for next time I go up there. Be- best vegan food I've had in my life. Really? And I've had a lot of vegan food. Are they all vegan? They're all vegan. What? They're all vegan. Like, everything there is vegan. Everyone there is vegan. You're vegan? I'm vegan. Cool. How long have you been vegan? Five, in November, it'd be five years. I went vegan when my when Storm was born, my firstborn. So when he was born, I went vegan. What made you connect those dots or inspire you? It was a really weird moment. Okay. Where like he like came out like ah, I'm here, and I was like oh my god, he's so cute. And then I was like, oh shit, animals give birth, and people eat animals. And I was just like, yeah, fuck that. Like I can't be a part of that. Wow. So like yeah, I looked at my son and was just like yo, like if somebody came and slaughtered him for a stupid ass meal like I'll be pissed you know so it's just like it really made me it's a really weird thing to connect the dots with but that's what it was seeing my son born and understanding that's a life and then and then looking at animals like those are living creatures and when I wasn't vegan I still was barely eating, like, dead animals. Mm-hmm. Like, I still was, like, barely eating them. Like, I just never really, like, vibe with it, I guess. Right. Like, I never knew why, but I was just always just like... Mm-hmm. Were you, like, the weird kid who didn't really want to eat a lot of meat? Yes. <laughs> I was a weird kid for a lot of reasons, but yeah. that was one. Like, Most people... The ma- every okay, everybody on this podcast so far, and myself included, has been like the weird kid in their family or in their friend group who just didn't go along with the other norms of like where they're from or their family or friends. So like, yeah, we're right. all we're all like the weirdos that makes on me feel here. Great. Yeah. So there's eight other weirdos, including my nine. Nine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like nine including you, but yeah. nine including that's yeah. That's there's a there's a lot of us, which is. Actually, Las Vegas is a really cool hub because so many people are from so many other places and because there's not that many, like, social norms and constructs here, 
there are in certain situations, but in these, especially downtown, it's so freeing, so it's cool. Like, everyone was the weird person in their friend group. That's that's really great to know. Which is good to know, right? Because <laughs> usually when you're in your friend groups, you're like, man, I'm so weird. No one understands what the hell I'm saying. But here, everyone's like, I'm the weirdo in the group, too, you know? That's great, because I feel that on a daily basis. Yeah, come and hang out more downtown. Yeah. I, I, we're all weirdos. It's I need cool. to, because yeah. the people who I know, like... I feel like I only show like ten percent of myself to them because if I show twenty, there's just like, who the hell is this weird ass person? Right. Get out. So Yeah. Fellow weirdos. There you go. Let's hang there out. There you go. So <clears throat> you were back in Oakland working at a really good vegan restaurant. Yes. Had the baby. Oh. Then oh yeah, then you were living in the in the car. Then mm-hmm. you went to Ohio. Yep. Right. We so yeah, we was living in a car in Oakland. Was living in the car, and then right when we was about to get a place, cause we were sleeping in a Walmart parking lot in San Leandro, which is like 20, 15 minutes from Oakland. So right when we were about to get a spot, uh, my ex called me and was like, "Hey, you know our son is really sick. He had like a lot of health issues." Mm. So in my mind, I was like, "Okay, either stay here and." You know, keep working, 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 and get a place, and then like this, this is this, or go and see my go and see my kid. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm a type of person where life matters, my family matters. Uh, a job is a job at the end of the day to me. Like mm-hmm. I could bust my ass to fill this like company's pockets, but at what cost? You know. Mm-hmm. So hopped in the car. We drove down, you know, being my son. Um, he eventually ended up being good. Good. Um, so after that, we were still staying in the car. Right. <laughs> and then I started working this warehouse job while, like, living in the car. And that completely, like, destroyed my body. Because, like, as I'm 6'6", six, six, so every night I'm sleeping with my knees to my chest. I'm kind of, like, holding my knees. But Rhiannon's pregnant. And this time she's like super pregnant how pregnant was she like six months yeah. six was, months she's also here if you hear someone <laughs> else's voice hey, wow hey. you Hello. were six months pregnant six months pregnant. living in a car girl yes oh my god you yeah. are a superhero yeah yeah oh, like, right so it's like they're like i felt like what is life yeah kind of like I would say it's like kind of like an existential crisis. Right. You just kind of wonder like, yo, what's the point of anything? Because it seems like even though I was doing everything I could, I was doing like everything what was considered the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. We were landing in these terrible situations. But even while we're in this terrible situation, I'm fully aware that there's worse situations than this. Mm. So in Oakland, while we're staying in the car, the true residents of Oakland are living under the bridge because gentrification came and kicked all them underneath the bridge. So they're homeless. Like, they're like, we're sleeping in the car and they're sleeping under a bridge in, like, man-made tents. Like, not even, like, real tents. And we actually were working with the village in Oakland. What's up? Um... (laughs) And we were working with them to build tiny homes for the homeless really? people. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, so we were homeless, building tiny homes for the residents of Oakland. So, throughout this whole time, we were always aware, like, yo, like... How much you really have. How much we really have. So, yeah, so, we're in Riverside, and then uh, the car, like, the car, like, stops working, the car breaks down, and we're just like... (laughs) Okay, can't get any worse than this. The car doesn't work, so we we're stuck in this one spot between Jiffy Lube and the Starbucks, and our car's there with all of our belongings. <clears throat> and uh, that's when things got really, really tough. Like, well, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> sounds like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the entire time, like I I want to say it's optimism. Mm-hmm. You know. Because it's like optimism plus action, you know? So it wasn't just like positive thinking, you know? Kind of like the secret, like if you wish <clears throat> for the Mercedes in your yeah. driveway, you stay really positive like, about it. Like, I should have had six mansions by now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been manifesting. <laughs> so it was just like, so I, yeah, I want to say it's like positive thinking, it's just optimism. But it was me understanding. We existed before the situation. Okay. You mean like here in yeah. this life or just like in general? In general. Okay. Plus this life. I can get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just like, you know, we weren't always in this situation. You know, and this isn't the only situation that we've been in. Mm. So situations come and go depending on how you move through them. So it's the understanding that this is temporary. And in order to cut that time as, like, short as possible, it took certain actions. So that meant, like, getting no sleep, but working full-time. And there's a misconception that people have about homelessness that always feel the need to address. You know, like, when... Do it. Like, when somebody is homeless and people usually go, oh, they're on drugs. Oh, they Mm. drink. And we're like, uh, we're straight edge. We don't drink. We don't smoke. We don't do no drugs, nothing. Or they'll go, get a job. We were both working full time. But that just goes to show how unaffordable housing in California really was, especially in Northern California. The housing was unaffordable to where we were both working full time and not working minimum wage jobs. We're both working full time. As I said, we're straight edge, so none of the stereotypes that people put on homelessness applied to us. And it's just like, this doesn't apply to me. I know it doesn't apply to everyone. Mm. You know, and for some reason, society looks at homeless people and they just assume the worst. They don't think that maybe it was a bad circumstance. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a circumstance like ours to where a roommate wasn't paying rent. Yeah, and you were paying all this money. I'm sure it wasn't cheap, even splitting it. (laughs) No, so it's just like... With every situation, there's a... It's kind of like a reason why someone got to where they're at. Mm -hmm. And I suppose people would really think about that when it comes to... Not just judging homeless people, judging people in general, you know? Mm. I follow this dude named Shane on Instagram... He works at Arcade Coffee in Riverside. Shout out Shane and Arcade Coffee. He had posted 
like a question on Instagram like three days ago and the question was do you believe that everyone is doing their best mm. a simple question sent me through an entire crisis because it was like the yes or no box right right and then i immediately pushed no but then right when i pushed no i end up sending this long message about why i should not pick no but it was an immediate thing but i think it was so easy to push no because as i said we live in a society that we live in a society that's just loves to I don't want to say loves to judge, but loves to misjudge. As that mm. someone could look at a homeless person and be like, oh, you're drunk, you're a druggie, um, you got this type of addiction, or you don't work, you know? So when yeah. you live in that type of society, it's so easy to be like, no, everyone's not doing their best. So once I pushed no, I immediately checked myself and was just like, I was wrong. And we had like a long conversation about how the world actually... Is better when everyone assumes that everyone is doing their best you're able to I feel like when you believe that everyone is doing their best you're able to come to them with more compassion more humility a thousand percent <clears throat> and it's like those are two words you have that, more empathy for yes them. you could just empathize with where they are right now exactly when you yeah. assume everyone's doing their best and they're just trying their best it's so much easier to humanize the entire experience mm -hmm. we have a mantra on the team we always say i'm doing my best and that's good enough and yes. whenever we get like stressed out or anything we're like doing my best and uh, that's good enough right. <laughs> and we're like okay one more time <laughs> right. you know and sometimes and there is a part of me who is like that really strong hustler new yorker fucking grind mm -hmm. that like if you're not literally killing yourself every single day, you're not doing your best, right? So it took me a while to, like, unpack that. I think the, uh, actually hustling and the other part of it has been really now seen as a negative. And, like, people who hustle, they're hurting themselves or making this really, like, unnatural work ethic. However, I think there's that mix of both of, like, do your best. Like, really actually do your best. Right. Like, whatever that looks like for you, whatever yes. resources you have or whatever, like, fully show up as a human. And that, oh, that's yes, doing your yes. best, you know? And I, for me, that's all I ask for people. I'm like, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just show up. Just give me everything you have. Just fully show up. I think being present yes. and being a good person and being kind, like, that's doing your best. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. And like, there's people who are like, I know where like, ask them like, oh, do you think that everyone does their best? And it's just like, no, this, 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 this. And like, they're going off. And then I, I just asked them like, well, if this is what is best to you, if your idea of someone doing their best is this, mm -hmm. what if that's not their idea of doing their best? Right. So I said, if you assume everyone's doing their best, you're able to just really be there be present and understand but when think about it, like let's say you were talking about a situation the first thing somebody would typically do would be like well that was me right. this is this is this, this, this. Mm -hmm. and this is like well it's 
not, not you. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just like once I realize that people do that, I start checking myself. Like I'm not gonna do that. Mm. I'm going to be there. I'm really going to just listen. I'm not gonna sit there like, oh, that was me, because now you're just projecting on someone, right? Because right? I'm saying, oh, that was me. I'll do this, 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 is this. In my mind, that's what's best. Well, that's not what's best for mm. them. So if you assume that everyone's doing their best, you're able to actually like be there and be more of help. Because a lot of people, they will think that they're helping, but they're not helping. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm telling you, this is going on. You're like, well, that was me. I would have done this. And I'm like, oh, hey, thanks, dude. Totally didn't think of that. When you were in this situation, so the last part of it, you were at, working at the warehouse, still living yes. in the car, six months pregnant. Yes. Were you feeling a sense of that people were looking at you or maybe friends family that you weren't doing your best or that like your best wasn't good enough like was there that type of inner struggle it was a constant struggle going from because knowing deep down i'm doing everything possible Mm. to get us out of this situation i am doing everything possible there's not anything that anyone suggested that I didn't do already. So knowing deep down, I'm doing my absolute best. But then also feeling the guilt mm. of, even though like it was guilt that I put on myself, I still felt the guilt of, wow, I'm in here, in this car. She's six months pregnant. We're in this car. Mm-hmm. This is this is up to me to get us out. You know, putting all that pressure and stress and then also thinking, okay, her family's looking at her and they're like going off and they're looking at me. And um, her family, if I may add, is super white and super racist. So they're looking at me like, oh, no, I'm not gonna say the N word, but that's how they're looking at me. Yeah. Um, so it was like, that was tough. Plus, that's intense. Right. So, plus, my associates, I would say friends, but, like, acquaintances, Acquaintances, um, they're looking at me, and some of them are like, dude, like, you always push through. You always push through everything. You you got this. Not even you're going to get this, but you got this now. And there's other ones who were, who knew nothing about what was going on, but they had, like, their ideas, like, well, why don't you get a job? I'm working. I'm on my lunch break. You know, so feeling all that pressure of like that yeah, that's just that constant struggle of I'm doing my best, but my best is not good enough because I'm still here. Mm. And then, you know, Rihanna's looking at me and she's just like, You're doing your best. We're gonna get out of this. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, You're six months pregnant. And what if I may add really quickly, what is so crazy about her even being in the car six months pregnant is the fact that she could have went home to Ohio at any point. Hmm. At any point, she could have went there. She could have went back Was home. her family just like, just come home? Yeah, the entire time. It mm-hmm. was just like, dude, come home, come home. And she could have done that at any time she chose not to she she was like we're going to get out of this so it's just like also that pressure of like fuck 
I hope I do not yeah. let you down. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's one thing to let myself down. You know, I'm a human. How long were you guys together before all this? <laughs> oh, God. Was this a new relationship, Dude, too? Dude, it was so fucking new that it was annoying. Like, I was just like... <laughs> oh, so you guys met and were in it, in it. Yeah, like, like we, you all, you went all in. Yeah, like, you're we like, were, let's just go through every worst possible scenario. <laughs> let's make a baby. Right, yeah, it was so <laughs> crazy. That we, were, we were literally like just <laughs> friends. Like we were friends. Yeah. We were just like really great friends. And then we were both dating somebody at the time too, if I may add. And like, yeah. it was just like, hey, like there's this weird thing between us. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, shut up. Yes, you do. <laughs> There's this thing between us, but let's not go for that thing. Let's just address what's here, shake hands on it, and go keep kick it. Moving. it. Yeah. Keep it moving. And then um, it's just layered down the line. Uh, we should like kind of like start seeing each other. And then um, she lived like down the street from me. And, um, my apartment was, like, completely vegan. Like, I was just like, hey, yeah, everything in here is all vegan. And her roommates weren't. So, she was coming over every day anyway. So, then, she used to start keeping her food at our house. So, she was just over every day. And the next, you know, she's just there every day. <laughs> so, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know? So, everything, in a way, like, had... Not to add, she was also Storm's babysitter. Oh my god! Yeah, so like it sounds. This like, is a lifetime movie. Yeah, it sounds like some Sell super this shit like to sick Netflix, shit, right? Guys. Like it sounds like super like we're like oh nice, you my babysitter, and we just start <laughs> dating like like dude like it's not like we were friends. Yeah, we were like friends, and it was like right. I needed a babysitter, and she was just like, dude, I got you. I was like, all right, cool, and like that's how that went. So it didn't feel like, oh, that's my babysitter. She's right, high. Right, right. You know, like, it wasn't anything, like, <laughs> creepy like that. Like, it was just like, this is my friend. My friend's watching my son. Mm -hmm. We spent all this time together. We already knew there was something there. So we just kind of, like, started, like, seeing each other. And then it was just, like, kind of kept going from there. And, um... So then, cut to six months pregnant, in yeah. the car, in the warehouse. How did you guys get out of that? What What happened? Um... It hit a point where I was just like, I'm not sure if we're gonna get out this car in time because we're on a time frame. She's right, six months the, pregnant, and the car broke down. Yeah, so it was just like, if she wasn't pregnant, we probably would have been on it, like, because the pressure of like it's like a time clock going down, going down, going right. down. Right. So every day that passes, you're like, oh shit, gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. You know, so it hit a point where I was just like, I don't know. how I lost complete, for the first time in my life, I lost complete faith in myself. Mm. And that never happens. Like, I've been through hell, you know, and like this is the first time I lost complete faith in myself. And I was like, we're fucked. And then, you know, her family was like, come here, come here, come here. But, so I told her, like, hey, dude, you gotta go to Ohio, go to Ohio. I can't go to Ohio because Storm is in California. Mm. So I was just, like, torn. I think that was, like, probably, like, the hardest part of my entire life.
like she's like sitting there like fuck like either go to Ohio and like be alright but I'd be alright physically mm. emotionally mentally I'd be tormented because my son's in California right but if I stay here it's the same thing mm-hmm. so you know I had, a, I had a talk with Storm's mom we had like a long conversation and then it was like yeah like alright I'm going to Ohio and then he was going to come out and vi- he so when I was going out to Ohio Storm was going to come with me and stay with me for the summer and I was going to come back so after we talked she was like alright cool went to Ohio I was like hey get the fuck out the car you're pregnant <laughs> dude in mm. case you forgot <laughs> your belly's big <laughs> um, so she went home and then I had that was what February so that was February and I was at a book signing coming up so yeah <laughs> while I was in the car I wrote a book and published a book really yeah I'm a fucking maniac <laughs> so <laughs> you wrote a book you published a book yeah I, I probably forgot to mention that in the beginning I am also a published author that's really cool <laughs> thanks how did you what what is your book about oh it's about um it's literally about separation so it's like it's about like separation like from marriage or a committed relationship like it's about like separation and it's really one of those things where it's just like when you're in a relationship or you're a friendship when you're around anybody nine times out of ten you're not always going to say what's on your mind or the things you appreciate you let you let everyday life kind of get in the way of things so this book was just about like all the things like you wanted to say but you didn't you know and not like with all like some weird ass agenda like oh I'm doing this so we could be good like you know it's just like me understanding my flaws as a human I'm a very reflective person Mm -hmm. so that book was really me recognizing I'm really bad at saying everything that's on my heart you know we as humans waste so many moments we waste minutes we waste days not saying what's on our heart and I think especially as a man Mm. right like just societal norms of probably this box you were put in right yeah you wouldn't be seen as like the one who's gonna spill their heart out right right yeah because like so I had a pretty fucked up life it's about to get real real dark in here um, it's okay we got the lights on we'll turn it back around I have Paula Santo. so I was raped my entire childhood bomb drop right <laughs> I was raped my entire fucking childhood by my cousin multiple cousins raped okay multiple cousins raped my entire childhood and every time I tried to speak up it was like nobody was listening and it's just like so like yeah trauma plus like middle child syndrome and you got, wow. you got like a big pot of what the fuck you know wow. so it was just like me trying to tell me trying to tell my mom like hey something's happening something's happening and like her not really listening because she was not she was not really around you know like she was our she was my only parent but like 
she wasn't there. You know, it was just like constant like work, 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 work. So I never really saw her. And she had to do her best. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, she had to do her best and she had a fucked up life. She was a she was a mom since she was 15, 16. Wow. Because she was raped. Cycles. No? Like mm-hmm. cycles and passed down. Like she was raped. And she lost her entire youth. She's never known what it was like to be an adult. But as a kid, I didn't understand that. You know, like, mm-hmm. so as a kid, it's like my mom's never around. It's just always work. We don't kick it. We don't talk. Nothing. And um, my older brother, me and him, didn't really talk. Me and my siblings didn't really talk. And um, <clears throat> one of the times when I was being raped, and I never told you about this part. Um, my older brother was in the room and my cousins just told him play the video game because he was like oh I want to play the video game and then my creep of a cousin was just like if you play the video game we have to sit over there and play the video game and he looked at me and he was like oh and you have to come with me I looked at my brother like nigga you bet not oh, I said I wasn't saying a word but um, I was like yo like don't but um he's not really like understanding why i'm saying or would have any sort yeah. of context right of yeah unless that had happened to him or yeah. he was in that same scenario you would never have guessed right. that right yeah like he had no idea and i couldn't verbalize i just think where and it was all boys all boy all cousins boys. all boys wow and it was just like i couldn't anytime i tried to verbalize anything or speak up i would get like and like my voice was to be gone, and I was like NBA in a panic. So, um, yeah. So he was playing the video game, and like my cousin being a creep, doing his thing. Like, so yeah. Like I'm like being raped, and my brother's in a room. And then so it's just like it was hard for me to talk to him. I didn't start talking to him like my brother, starting getting close to him until like I was an adult. Right. Because through my entire life, I was well, just Well, he like, didn't even know. Yeah, he didn't even know. So. Wow. And it was just like, it just continuously happened. And there was one summer where my mom dropped us off at another cousin's house. And she was just like, oh, like, I'm leaving you guys here for the summer because I have to work a lot, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, she has to work. Um, as I became an adult, I found out she wasn't at work that summer she was partying oh yeah she was living her youth she was living her youth so part of me was just like i was being raped the entire summer so you can party but then this other part of me which i don't know why i always had that real conscious side of me Mm -hmm. but i'm grateful because as i'm mad like i was being raped this entire summer while you were partying conscious I was just like you're trying to live your youth mm-hmm. and give you the chance so like part of me understands because that happened to her exactly so like part Ooh. of me understands why she did what she did and part of me understands why she couldn't tell us that's what she was doing mm. so during that summer it was I still fucking hate summer. 
Um, yeah. But um, yeah, then every day the entire summer I was being raped, and I just kind of just. Did you just zone out? Like I did, and I didn't. While my cousin's raping me, in my mind, it became less of why is this happening to me, and it became more of a, what happened to you? Because mm. how do you learn that behavior? How right. do you know? Yeah. So. So you had that thought. How old were you at this time? Ooh, I was like maybe like nine. Wow, so you were already conscious enough to realize, yeah. like, wow, if my cousin knows to do this to me, what's mm-hmm. happening to my cousin? Yeah, I was, like, seven when it first started happening. Wow. So from, like, seven up to 16. Wow. It was just constant rape and, like, harassment. Um, yeah, so it was, like, that was happening. So, yeah, I'm, like, what happened to you to turn you into this person who does this to someone like me? How old were you when you lost your innocence? So while this is happening, I stopped thinking about, oh my God, I want this to stop. Because I guess I hit a point where I was like, this is not going to stop. This is an everyday thing that's been happening to me. This is not going to stop until I'm no longer here. So then we stop thinking, I want this to stop. And I wonder what happened to you, to why you're doing this. Um, mm. He never fucking answered the question I asked him one time. And he's never answered but um yeah so that was so my job. W- wow so did you write about that in your book uh i wrote about that in my is that my third book hey see thanks for third remembering. book yeah oh wow. <laughs> I, I have a problem talking about the things i do but uh yeah so my third book is called 27 um it's a poetry book and that one is i in 27, that's when I discussed all of my trauma. Mm. Well, at least most of it in form of poetry. So 27 is a poetry book where I discuss all that trauma. And then um, there's like there's like a two-piece poem. There's one where it's called What, what Being Raped Did to Me. And then there's another one that's like explains like the effects that it had on me as an adult mm-hmm. so it's just like even though I have kids I do not like sex I don't like it I like it freaks me out mm-hmm. because like the, like my entire childhood and it's real hard for me to open up to like a partner like in any way really so that's how I also knew like there was like something special. You could open up to her because yeah, it was just like within like our like first like week of being friends, we were just having like heavy conversations, and then it's like not understanding why I was mm-hmm. opening up, but I was. So um, yeah, so I said like that was my childhood, and. So when you were in such a dark place, she was going to Ohio, you had to make that choice of your son in California, new baby in Ohio, that separation, wrote a book about separation, yep. relationships, so did it almost give you, like, a, I don't want to say confidence, but almost like, well, I've already been through probably the worst case scenario ever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, to like, give you, like, a, a courage that, like, I will find it, a way out. 
Like, it did and it didn't. Mm. Um, I had scheduled a book signing. Right, that's what you were right. saying. I scheduled a book signing. And it was like, whoa, I always wanted to do a book signing. Like, that's crazy, like, that I'm making this happen. But throughout my life, anything that I said I wanted to make happen, I made happen. Mm. So it wasn't even like a shock at this point. It was just like, it was like, oh, oh. Instead of, like, the dark times being like, well, I, I've been through this, I can move forward, it was more of the positive things that were manifesting. Mm-hmm. And you were like, but I'm building momentum. Yeah. Okay, I, like, I dig that. So it was like... And so, I think that just shows your growth and your strength because most people probably would have been so in the hole and been triggered to go back deeper into that trauma that they wouldn't have gotten the momentum. They wouldn't have seen that as a sign. They wouldn't have followed it through. Right. Most people would not have followed through yeah. in that situation. Going back to what you said in the beginning, like envisioning stuff but taking action, I think that's like a big commonality in your story. Yeah. You continue taking action forward. Yeah, it's it's really weird. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome, but it's really yeah. weird. Because like So yeah. what happened at the book signing? Yeah, so um I scheduled the book signing. So that's why when she left when she was six months pregnant, I didn't go with her at that time because I okay. had a book signing coming up in April. <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> so in April was my book signing. So that was three months later or two months later? One month. One month later, so I was like, all right, hey, you're good. Go to Ohio, be here for one more month, do my book signing, and I scheduled my flight to Ohio the day after mm-hmm. my book signing, right? Or is it, it like two, two days, days after, two, yeah. about two days after. Mm-hmm. So I went to the book signing, sold all my books. Oh, dude, this is great. Like, How did people know about you? Um, I was in my hometown, so I was in, I was in Reno Valley, Riverside area. Okay. And, um. By this time, everybody knew, like, my art. They knew me as a person. You had built a name for yourself. Yeah, I there. built a name for myself, like, through my art. Uh, I used to be a vocalist of a melodic hardcore band. Cool. Um, shout out to the hardcore community. That's really responsible for who I am as a person now. Being straight edge and everything. Yeah. Like, that That genre of music, I'll get into it. But, um, but yeah, so I sold out all my books. So I was like, cool, like, wow. Like, you know, I felt human for a second. Like, right. Like, wow. And, like, it hit me for the first time, like, people just bought my book. Like, they I care. sold out all my books. Like, this is crazy. Um, the day before my flight to Ohio, I had a stroke. What? Yeah, a major stroke. So, yeah. Super random, super really fucking weird. I had a major stroke. And what's crazy about that is... So my entire left cerebellum was affected. And that's the part that controls the movements and all this other stuff, right? I woke up in the hospital. Like, I saw my life flash. And I always thought that was bullshit. I was like, your life doesn't flash. Shut up. Mm. Your life flashes. My life flashed. And... I remember, like, just seeing my life, and I was just like, damn. In fourth grade, I had an ugly face. And I was like, well, this is how I go. You know? So, it was like, whatever. And my eyes went, just went black. I woke up in the hospital. And I was like, oh, hey. I made it. And then, I remember, like, seeing the doctor, and I'm, like, moving, and the doctor goes, how are you doing this? And I was just like, 
and then he showed me the x-ray and everything he's like the, so the left see like the left cerebellum all of like the x-ray all of it it's just it's black now like it doesn't work it's gone so uh, he was like you're supposed to be paralyzed there's no reason that you should be able to do this your left cerebellum is gone it's done how are you doing this and I was just like I was like yo I really don't know so I call her and I'm like hey uh had a stroke and it's like in my head I was like fuck don't call her because she's pregnant right. in Ohio and I know her she's gonna feel like some sort of guilt like if I would have stayed he would have a stroke which did they say the cause was it just no, so much they, stress they or compounded they still do not know because it sounds like you're a pretty like healthy person, right? Yeah. Was it just stress? I I wanna, it does sound like a lot of stress. Right, like on it could have been like it could have been stress, but even during the situation, I wasn't stressed out. Hmm. So they did all this testing, and they still to this day do not know why. But yeah, the left cerebellum is done. So technically, I'm supposed to be paralyzed. But I'm just that much of a fighter that somehow my body was like, nope, we're not going out <laughs> like this. Wow. So it took me, I taught myself how to walk. Was it like a month? Yeah, and that was my last month of pregnancy. Yeah, I taught myself how to walk. Yeah. He was like, you're, he told me you're not going to be able to walk ever again. You're not going to be able to create like art. Like when, I'm not going to be able to move my hands. He was like, he told me, right now you're lucky, but this luck is running out. Your luck is going to run out. You're supposed to be paralyzed, and eventually your body's going to realize that. And it's going to stop. Like, he thought you were just running off of adrenaline yeah. of why you were able to still move mm-hmm. your body. But eventually your body would catch up to, with your brain, and then... And it would be... So, so Whoa. yeah, so me hearing that, I'm like... In his mind, he's thinking, like, you know, like, it's his registering. And the entire time in my mind, I was just like, I need to do everything I said I wanted to do while I can do this mm-hmm. so yeah so I get to Ohio I'm like hey I'm alive <laughs> she's crying <laughs> oh my gosh well they told him not that he left yeah. the hospital against medical advice yeah. to get on the flight to Ohio. because I had to catch my flight it was not gonna refund me and I was broke so I was like this is my chance and he told me if you get on that plane your brain is going to explode because it can't handle that pressure you just had a stroke. You have to be here. And I was like, yeah, no. Getting my stuff and I'm leaving. So, like, because I just had the stroke, Storm couldn't come with me. Mm. So I was just like, I had to take that loss. Like, okay. You know, it was rough, but logical. Like, it was logical. So I'm dragging myself to the airport. I grew on the rail. Dragging myself to the airport drag myself onto a plane and while it's in the air I can feel the pressure on my brain squeezing as if it's about to explode and I was just like let me just see my second son be born and you can take me but just let me get there I close my eyes I wake up I'm in Ohio and I'm dragging myself over like to whatever terminal she was at and she sees me and I'm like, hey, made it. And then I'm at the house and I can't walk. Went to the doctor, went to the hospital right like immediately. 
I was in there for like a week. Did you basically collapse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I got there literally last first thing I remember, like last thing I remember was going, "Hey, I'm, I'm here," alive. <laughs> and then I'm in the hospital, and it's like a week later, and I'm like, "Oh, okay," and then like yeah, I couldn't walk, couldn't anything, and he was like, "When you get home, you got bed rest, this or that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." In my head, I'm like, "I'm not bed resting. I don't have the luxury to bed rest because like in California, as a freelancer, it's always." You gotta mm-hmm. go, you gotta go, you gotta mm-hmm. make it happen, you gotta make it happen. So I'm like, I don't have the luxury of like just laying around. And she's pregnant, like she need, like she's gonna need me like here. So in her last month of pregnancy, I taught myself how to walk. It was a struggle. It was a damn struggle, but I taught myself how to walk again. And then yeah, and like our son was born. And that was cool. Um I started getting better at walking and then it's like just moving in general. Um, he was going healthy. She was getting better. So I'm like, all right, cool. I immediately got right back to work. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a dumbass when it comes to that. Yeah. So I started getting back to work. And then um, I'm like, okay, things are picking up. Things are really great. Unfortunately, I was working for a coffee company that... Um, really only hired me because I was black just to have the token hey, yeah we have the we hired we're know. in Clemson yeah, yeah but it was like just a front so it's just like okay like, whatever okay. so I caught that and I was like okay cool <laughs> and then I'm like alright you know what things are getting a little bit better things are getting back to normal we're like starting to like realize that we're no longer in the car because we're just con- like where were you staying with her family yeah okay and, and how was that dynamic because you said that they weren't really oh, feeling you right it was terrible it was so terrible it was so terrible but it felt at least nice to have somebody talk to me because when we're living in the car people are like oh they're homeless I'm not going to talk to them so it felt cool to at least have somebody talk to me and um, eventually, like, her mom was, like, cool. Her mom, like, came around. It was like, oh, hey, like, you're not bad. You know, so it got, like, things were getting, like, a bit better. And then um, there was, you guys know who that Kent State gun girl is? No. Caitlin Bennett? That's my sister's name. Oh, I, I dude, know. I hope she's not the kid. No, if you are the Kent State gun girl. No, <laughs> she's for sure not. Well, she goes by Katie Bennett, and she's a comedian and actress. Oh, okay, no, it's not her. Woo, close call, Kate. Your sister has talent. <laughs> yeah, my sister's, like, super talented. <laughs> That's sick. But, yeah, so Caitlin Bennett, the Kent State gun girl, um, super, just, like, conservative, like, clickbait like she's like oh I think I know who uh, you're taking yeah mm-hmm. so I'm work. so Kent Ohio is like literally down the street from Ravenna Ohio and I was working in Kent so she was doing this protest where she was bringing like guns and racist fucking groups with her onto the campus and having a rally um fuck that I'm an activist and I was like, yeah, no, that's not flying. So I go to this protest, right? This shit gets way worse. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude. So we go to this protest. And um, 
I hand drew my sign on a pink piece of paper because um, when we were in Oakland, we shut down the SFO airport when Trump did that immigrant ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shut down the airport. So we have experience with wow. activism. So I hand wrote my sign because I immediately, I mean, like, okay, if I have my sign, then I don't have to, like, I can't be, like, put in a group of, like, I want, I want my sign to say what I want to say. Okay, you didn't want, like, a cookie-cutter sign that everyone else yeah. was holding up. You wanted to make your own. Yeah, so I wrote a quote from Jiddu Krishnamurti, who, he's a philosopher, he's a teacher, and, like, I've listened to him, like, almost my entire life. But um, the quote, I hope I'm not quoting wrong, but it says, it is in no measure of good health to be adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Mm. You know, so that was a sign I had, right? So keep that in mind. That's written on this pink sign. I'm in the front lines holding this pink sign. The cops start shoving and pushing us, right? Shoving and pushing us. Next thing you know, I'm being grabbed by the cops grabbed and next you know I'm being arrested and I'm thinking what the hell I didn't do anything so they take me to the station and I'm thinking okay I didn't do anything wrong they're gonna have to let me go and I kept asking them what are my charges oh we don't know yet we're waiting for the paperwork before they took my mugshot they told me yeah, you're not going home. You're being arrested for assaulting an officer. That's a felony. What? Yep. A cop lied and said I hit them. Well, it gets worse. So, the entire time I'm there during the weekend, I'm asking if I can make a call. They're like, nope. Or they'll hang up the phone every time I'm calling. I had an apple and an orange juice because they didn't care that I was vegan. And they're like, oh, well, maybe on Monday when you have a hearing, you'll get like a PR bond and you'll be good. The judge saw me and he was just, he literally told me, I don't like these allegations. The cop is saying that he has a scratch. He has a, like a scar above his right eyebrow from the wooden stake on your sign that you hit him with. So they said I had a wooden, I had a white sign with a wooden stake and I gashed this officer's eye, and that's why I was arrested. But I had a pink sign. So, from there, they sent me to jail. And I'm sitting there like, I didn't do this. So luckily, like, I got a lawyer, and luckily there was people there with cameras. And you know, when I'm at a protest, I'm always in the front line, why? Because that's where people pay attention. Mm. If I was in the back, no one's going to care. You know, so anything can go down and I can go down for it. But I'm in the front line. There's cameras. Truth is going to come out. So, during the case, they're trying to give me, what, six years? I don't remember. It was trying to give me years for something I didn't do. My name and my pictures are in the local newspaper. This and that. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't do this, though. So... Luckily, there was cameras there. There was video. There was photos. Which proved that I didn't do this. 
so um, I got on bail and then during the case I'm just looking up everything I can find all the evidence so I said I found photos with me of, of my pink sign no wooden stake videos of me my pink sign no wooden stake so I had nothing but proof that the cops were lying so eventually the cops were just like eventually like the prosecutor went to the cops because the prosecutor saw the video and photos because my lawyer sent it to her and she went to the cops and was like we have a problem so eventually the cops was like oh yeah like maybe it was someone else even though I was in jail like they put me in jail arrested me traumatized me all because they wanted to because they could you know so after that I was like hey fuck this I'm taking my ass back west she was like yeah let's go and that's how we ended up in Vegas at my brother's apartment I'm gonna end it there we got it <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to do a part two <laughs> I'm about it it is There's so we're much. gonna do a part two you'll be the first part two Way. Because, like, I no, we have to close it here, <laughs> and then we're gonna open the Vegas chapter, and then we're yes. gonna talk about all the things you're doing now. Because that one fucking hell of a story. I okay. Granted, I had no idea of any of this. This I is smile. Like, <laughs> I just fucking smile. <laughs> Super happy. I saw him cooking food. I knew it was vegan. I was like, yeah seems like an interesting guy let's have him on the podcast no freaking idea and that's what i love see and that's a really cool example of like what i love about humans you don't know anything about them i i wouldn't have known any of that about you right right but that's the magic of like the human spirit that you could have that story that you could go through that fucking layers and layers and oh my god this could be it but no hold on you're gonna get hit one more time you know because and and that's what i i'm always inspired by humans because they have these stories where you're like oh my god i can't (laughs) believe it Right? Yeah. And that's just like why I named this podcast with Brave Company because it's it's being name. with brave people. It's and I think the more that people could hear brave stories, they will find the braveness within themselves to show up to that next level. So Woo! Yeah, we're gonna do part two. We'll hook it oh, yeah. up because um that is an incredible story and thank you so much. I feel very honored that you shared it with me and that Thanks you felt so comfortable sharing it or even if it felt awkward for sharing it because by your bravery, you're going to inspire so many others and you, I'm sure you already have and hopefully that this will just be another space in that journey and then we'll do part two because I want to hear about all the things you are creating. Yeah, Vegas is kind of a happier chapter. Okay, yeah, for we'll some, do... someone, you know, <laughs> there's always shit. But... There's always shit. There's always shit. But yeah, okay, so stay tuned for part two. That will be episode 10. Woo! Yes. Um, and thank you again so much. Thank you, seriously. For real. Like, I said I love the name with Brave Company and like this was a challenge for me because I knew I had to come up here and like take down like my layer and mm. like be brave and this is like that's a new word I'm like trying to take on brave yes you know, like I'm a lot of shit but like brave like I don't think I'm the bravest you know 
You're pretty fucking brave. I'll say that. Shit, hey. <laughs> we'll officially stamp you right now. <laughs> got my brave, brave. Back, y'all. You got your brave batch. Yeah, for real. Thank you. All right, friends. Listen to that a few times. Let it soak in. When you're having a weird day, listen to this. <laughs> it will pick you out of your shit. Um, and stay tuned for episode 10, and we'll go to part two of Life in Vegas and all the things you're creating. Thank right. you again. Thanks, Brianna, for recording, and Ferguson's The Gather House for being our cool little tiny space for recording. And uh, part two. Part two. Stay tuned.